0: Welcome to the Kensington Church Podcast. We're one church that meets in multiple locations throughout Michigan. No matter who you are or what you believe, we're glad you're here. Today's recording from the series "Go," an acronym for the greatest of all time, comes from our midweek service at our Orion campus. Lead Pastor Dave Wilson teaches about Daniel and what made him great. And Troy's worship leader, Jalen C. Wright, leads us in a powerful worship. We hope it encourages and inspires you. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and visit our website at kensingtonchurch.org for upcoming events, live stream services, and much more. Thanks and enjoy. You guys
1: ready? Let's do this. Hey, uh, we're going to have you stand up. You can come forward if you want. we got a lot of room up here in front. Pretty exciting night. We've got Jalen, where are you, from Troy Campus. we got Aaron from Clinton Township. We've got Nicole from every campus. And Alicia from every campus. And we got the great band back there. So we're going to start with some songs about joy. We're in the greatest of all time. We got ice cream outside afterwards. But let's go to God right now. Let's worship. Let's worship hard. Let's go all in. Let's go.
0: So it goes like this. It's simple. You give me joy down deep in my soul. Down deep in my soul. Down deep in my soul. You give me joy down deep in my soul. Down deep in my soul. Down deep in my soul. Sing it again. You give me joy down deep in my soul. Down deep in my soul Down deep in my soul You give You give me joy Down deep in my soul Down deep in my soul Down deep in my soul Verse like hey. in my brokenness I've got you love Instead of pain There's freedom Oh, you captured me. I've got joy instead of more. Need. Come see that. There's beauty. There's beauty in my pro Joy down deep in my soul, down deep, down deep in my soul, down deep in my soul. You give, you give me joy down deep in my soul, down deep in my soul, down deep in my soul. There's beauty, there's beauty in my brokenness. I've got you, love, instead of freedom though there's been so free caught in your love for me never been more secure knowing
1: Uh, truly an honor I mean this, Jalen I mean this, Aaron, you guys being here it's truly an honor to have you here I know you're always at Troy and we have to come down to your place but I mean it, man, thank you thank you, man and here's what you don't know about Aaron Uh, three months ago, maybe? six weeks ago? six weeks ago, he had vocal surgery and he cannot sing for another three or four more weeks so he hasn't been able to talk or sing so we just had said look good up here and play the guitar and that's what he did so thanks man let me uh let me pray what we just sang because I'm 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 gonna pray that what we just sang is actually gonna happen here tonight Lord Jesus thank you for music just art and beauty and sound and melody and lyrics that are literally from the from the Word of God and we just asked you to let faith arise in us. So God, that's something that's not something we muster up. It's something we surrender to you and say, God, give us faith to believe in who you are and what you have done and will do in and through us. And Lord, I know there's some people here tonight that need just a little bit of faith, as was asked of Jesus give me, give me a little more faith. And so God, I pray that that would happen tonight. We don't need a lot. We just need a little. So God, give us faith to see you as you are and to let you do what you want to do in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Give these guys a hand as they walk off. Thank you. I tell you, um, I mean that. You don't know what a an honor it is To come here last night for a couple hours and rehearse with these guys and pray with these guys and gals and sort of dream about what God's going to do in a service. See, I, I think you agree with me, but we don't believe you just come to church and you do a service and you go home. We believe God works. He doesn't need this service to work. He works anywhere and anytime, at all times, at all places, right? But there's something happening when when God's people come together and and come before him and say, man, we're we're asking you for a word, and we're asking not just to hear a word, but to then live out a word, and not just go to church, as I said two weeks ago, but go be the church. Come on, you can finish that. Go be the church. Go out there and do it. And so uh, tonight, uh, you know, as we are in week three of the GOAT, you guys know what the GOAT is, right? The greatest of all time. Not the woke, not the worst of all time, the greatest, the G-U-O-A-T of all time, and I've got a special guy I'm going to preach on tonight, but as I, I jump into that, we're going to take our offering. So the usher is going to come forward right now. They didn't know that, so they're jumping up right now and running back to grab the pouches, and many of you give online, some of you give right here, and some of you are guests of us tonight, and you don't need to give, but... Um, uh, I I just want to say thanks for all of you that do give and when you decide this is your church that's something we do we give and we give abundantly and God blesses and God does amazing things so I'm gonna preach tonight on a passage of Scripture that I haven't preached on since 1994 anybody not alive yet in 1994 yeah there's a lot of young people here Uh, that was the fourth year of Kensington I don't even remember what series we were in but I do know from my notes which were written in pen on paper which now it's all digital there. I flipped through them. I found them and I have files all the way back to 88 when I started preaching. 1988. That's a long time. There's a thousand some sermons in there. Most of them are terrible, but every once in a while there's a gem, you know, and I'm like, oh, that was a good one. And so when Cody, uh, sort of said, you know, what do you want to preach on in this goat series coming out of, uh, you know, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, this hall of faith chapter that Cody started two weeks ago, um, you know, I was thinking, I want, I want to do Daniel in the lion's dead. And Cody said, "That's not in Hebrews 11. You know, of all the people they mention in Hebrews 11, Daniel's not mentioned. But guess what? He sort of is. Let me show you. It's actually in uh, it's in Hebrews 11, verse 32 and 34." Uh, the writer says, and what more shall I say? He's been talking about all these great heroes of faith, all these goats, greatest of all time. And he says, I do not have time to tell you about Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms. Now think what we just saying. God increased my faith. He says through faith, they conquered kingdoms. Then what's it says? They administered justice and gained what was promised. And then here's Daniel, who shut the mouth of lions Huh? Is that Daniel? That's Daniel. I mean, they don't say Daniel, but if you know Daniel and the lions, then you know it's Daniel. Somebody asked me back in the green room, I'm like, why aren't you wearing your uh, guns and Moses shirt this week? And I'm like, cause we're not preaching on Moses, we're preaching on Daniel. And they're so smart. They said, why didn't you wear a lion shirt? I'm like, duh, I should have. All right. So here's what we're going to do tonight. I'm not going to ask you to stand as I read this because I'm going to read the entire chapter. And you don't want to stand for like 10 minutes, all right? So I'll read it to you, and I'm actually going to stop at certain places and make some comments. And all I want to do tonight is read you the story. And I know many of you have heard this story. Some of us have heard it since Sunday school days. It's an amazing story that's tucked away in the middle of your Old Testament that's full of, I think, some lessons. And so I've got three lessons that are going to come out of this story after we sort of look at it. And they all have D's in them. I call them the D tongue twisters. There's three directives from the den, see? It's already getting the D thing going. Three David directives about Daniel from the den, all right? How's it work? I could probably get some more Ds in there. But before we get there, let me read it so we're all on the same page. It said this, it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom, 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom. Now here's the thing, A little history, Nebuchadnezzar was the king in Daniel chapter 1, uh, uh, the Israelites have been brought to Babylon, and they've been indoctrinated into a new culture. Oh, this is my wonderful wife bringing me water. You are the best. I still got this virus going on in my throat, as you can tell, so I'm going to need some water. I should do like those guys on TV, huh? Anyway, um, so now they've gone through Nebuchadnezzar The Belshazzar was the king, and now chapter 6 is the first time we read read of of King Darius, who's 62 years old. He's just taken the throne. So he's sort of setting up his culture. So he has 120 satraps. They're just like rulers. They have, uh, it says in verse two, over them, three high officials. So he's setting up sort of this hierarchy. And look, he says, of whom Daniel was one to whom these satraps should give account so that the king might not suffer loss. So you notice right away, Daniel... Some of you know Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and Daniel were four men that were Israelites that established themselves as such high character and highly skilled. They rose to the top levels of of a leadership in Babylon, even though they weren't Babylonians. So it's really unique that Jewish men would be elevated that high. And Daniel is now at the very, very top where the king trusts him so much. He's interpreted dreams. There's all kinds of different things that have gone on. You have to... Do your homework to understand that. But he's established himself so high, he's way up there by the king. And he's supposed to take care of the king, make sure he doesn't suffer loss. Verse 3 says, Then this Daniel became distinguished among all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. Notice this. But they could not find, they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Now think of what we just read. Daniel's way up there by the king, almost like second or third in command. There's other high officials that are jealous. They don't like a Jewish boy, a Jewish man being elevated by by them. So they decide we're taking him down. And what's it say? They tried to find some sin, basically, in his life, and what'd they find? Nothing. Can you imagine if somebody tried to find just one sin in your life, how long it would take them? (laughs) Would it take them an hour? Would it take them a day? Could you make it a day without somebody looking through your internet history? Or looking through your, you name it. I could go anywhere you want me to go on this, and you know that. There's all kinds of places. If every stone was unturned, everything in your dark life was unturned, and they peeled back, would they find perfection? I don't think so. But with Daniel, they did. Just to give you an idea, this guy was not perfect, but he was so good and so pure and so clean, they tried to find something wrong and they couldn't. Trust me, you know these guys tried hard. I guarantee they came back. There's nothing. There's nothing. Go back out there. I guarantee there's a girlfriend from, you know, Ohio. I guarantee, you know, there's something back there. There's a, there's a bank statement that says he was a liar. There's something. They looked everywhere and he is absolutely flawless. Wouldn't you love that to be said about you? That's what was said about Daniel. Excellent character. Highest character. And then verse five says, then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. So what's going on here? They realize he is so uh, committed to God, that's where they can trip him up. And so they come up with this idea. They said they came; these high officials came by agreement to the king and said to him, Oh, King Darius, live forever. What's that? That's buttering up, man. You're the man. You're awesome. You're incredible. You live forever. They're trying to get him on their side. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects, the satraps, the counselors, the governors, all agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any God or man for 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. So they convinced him, the king, to sign an injunction that he's king for a month. He's king for a month. Anybody worships anybody but King Darius? They're going to the Den of And somehow he signed this thing. Well, of course he did. It's like, I'd love to be king for the month. So he signs this thing. And so it says in verse 8, Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Once it's signed, cannot be changed. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. So does he do this every day? Every day. Several times a day? Several times a day. Windows open? Yeah. To Jerusalem? Yeah. Jerusalem's in ruins. He's praying that God will rebuild the temple. He's praying for God to do miracles in his homeland. And he prays every day. And there's a law against it now. And does it change anything he does? No, he doesn't care. He is not going to stop serving his God because of some man-made law. And so he does it and he does it. He flaunts it. He doesn't shut the windows and I'll I'll pray, but I'll pray in private. No, he's like, I'm going to pray. If they throw me in a den of lions, they throw me in the den of lions. you got to love the courage of this guy. It says, then these men came by agreement and found Daniel, making petition and plea before his God. Then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O oh, king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any other God or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into dead den of lions? He's like, uh, yeah. The king answered and said, this thing stands fast according to the law of the means of the persons, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah. What's that mean? He's not one of us. He's a half breed. He's another breed. There's racism, all kinds of things going here. He's an exile from Judah. He pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel, and he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. So what are we learning about King, King Darius right here? He loves Daniel. He loves him. He is amazed at this man's character and his skill and his integrity. And he doesn't want to throw him in the lion's den. So he spends the night figuring out a way to get a loophole out of this thing. But there is none. Because the law of the Medes and the Persians is irrevocable. So it says in verse uh, 15 it said then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king know o king that this is a law of the means of the Persians no injunction or ordinance that the king established can be changed Then com- the king commanded and David was Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions The king declared to Daniel listen to this this is a man that doesn't believe in the God that David believes in But look what he says may your God whom you serve continually deliver you You know what D- Darius is saying to Daniel going into the den Let faith arise." That's what he's saying, have faith. I mean, it's an unbeliever saying to a believer, have faith that the God that you believe in, not the God I believe in, but I know you believe in, will deliver you. And so look what happens, verse 17. And a stone was brought and laid at the mouth of the den and the king sealed it with his own signet, with the signet of his Lord's that nothing might be changed according to Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and slept the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him and sleep fled from him. He could not sleep all night because he's so worried about his friend Daniel. Verse 19, then at the break of day, the king arose and went went in haste, means he ran, to the den of lions. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, oh, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? He's sort of like this, you know, because if he's dead, there's going to be no sound except maybe a burp from a few lions, right? But if he's alive, there's gonna be an answer. And he says, Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever! My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me, because I was found blameless before him, and also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that David be taken, Daniel be taken out of the den. So Daniel was taken out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him, because He had trusted in his God, and the king commanded, listen to this, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions. And some of you are like, some skeptics are like, well, the lions just weren't hungry. That's what happened. Well, they threw these guys in there and said, they, their children, their wives, and before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. Now, I know it's a little gory, but that's what happened, all right? Then King Darius wrote to all the people's nations and languages that dwell on the earth. He said, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed. and His dominion shall be to no end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. It's an amazing, amazing story. I mean, it's one of these... Epic stories that just tucked away in the middle of the Bible. It's like, wow, I love this story. It's a Sunday school story, but it's more than that. Because I think, <clears throat> I think there's three directives from the den. And here's the first one. And I'm just gonna walk you. You just heard the start. I just walk you back a couple of lessons. And these are actually lessons I wrote down in 1994. I changed them a little bit, but I was like, wow, these are. These are good lessons that God gave me in 94, and he's going to give me again tonight to say, this is what's true about Daniel's life and a lesson we can learn from our life. So three directives from the den. The first one is this. Our dedication makes a difference. Our dedication makes a difference. What do I mean by that? Well, if you want to write down another phrase, that sort of says the same thing. I said, never underestimate the power of your life. I would say to you, and I would say to me, never underestimate underestimate the power of your life. Did Daniel know the kind of impact he was having on King Darius? I don't think so. But he had an amazing impact on the king who was an unbeliever even before God did the miracle and the lions did. Darius was coming, starting to believe in the God that Daniel lived. Why? The power of Daniel's life, the power of Daniel's character, the power of Daniel's prayer life, all that stuff was honoring God and it was making a difference In unbelievers. And I think often we might wonder if you're a follower of Christ tonight, is my life impacting anybody? And here's what I'm here to tell you your dedication to Christ makes a difference. You may not always see it, but it makes a difference. It truly does. When Ann and I started dating, we've been married 38 years, so 39 years ago when we started dating, we prayed as we were dating that God would use our relationship as we got engaged and married. We prayed that God would use our marriage and our relationship, the first sort of Christian-based foundational marriage in uh, Ann's family and in my family, to impact her brother's sister and dad for Christ. We prayed on our knees in her parents' living room, when they went to bed and we should have gone home, we got on our knees and prayed while we're still dating, God, use us as we get married to lead Dick Barron to Christ. That was her dad, to lead two to her mom to Christ, who's probably already a follower of Christ, but her dad wasn't. And we lived it out. We shared Christ. We go into ministry. They even supported our ministry, even though they didn't believe in Jesus, but they gave us money to go into ministry. And I honestly thought we are having no impact on her dad. He's just not open to the gospel. Ann, are you over there? Yeah, do you remember this? I don't know what it was. It was like in the first year of our marriage, maybe a year and a half in, we were uh, at their house and Dick, her dad, came home from work one day. And he goes, I was talking to this guy at work today and he's going through all these struggles and he's going through all these things. And you know what I said to him? What did you say to him? He goes, I looked at him and I said, you need what Dave and Ann have. (laughs) I go, what? I told him, you need what Dave and Ann have. I go, what do we have, Dick? Jesus, that's what he needs. I go, you told a coworker that? You don't even believe in Jesus. I know, but you do, and he needs it. (laughs) And and it it, it was so funny to remember that moment. You remember, Dan? I mean, I remember that moment. It's like, we're making a difference. We're making a difference. We didn't think we were. But already, we started to see God is working through our life. And yeah, we shared the gospel, and it didn't seem like it was was even getting a seed in there. But now he's almost 90 years old cancer throughout his body, might not be alive in a year, and talks to him every day, sometimes several days, I mean several times a day, and here's what we know, when the man dies, he's going to see Jesus, he's going to see Jesus, he's got faith in a strange way, in a different way, it's not, a, it doesn't go to church every week, can't even barely walk anymore, but God used our marriage to reach your brother Jim, to reach your brother Bill, Kathy, Jenny was already a Christian. I mean, everybody in the family has some level of trust in Christ and our dedication makes a difference and so does yours. Don't ever underestimate the power of your life being dedicated to Christ, you're going to work, you're going to school, you're going to your neighborhood, you're in your family, you're thinking, God will never reach my dad, God will never reach my son, God will never reach my Don't ever, ever underestimate the power of your life and your words and your testimony and your integrity and all that. And you don't have to be perfect, but if you live out a dedicated life to Christ, people are watching, people are noticing, and when it's real, guess who they're coming to ask questions to? You. Because you're the only solid thing they see in their life because you are unwavering and your dedication makes a difference. Don't ever underestimate the power of your life. It's interesting, this past weekend, talk about this. I was in the lobby walking around and you know, I didn't really have much of a voice so I interviewed some guys on Father's Day but I was walking around the lobby and uh, I heard two stories in the lobby that illustrate this very point. One was Becky, and she sent an email out this week and said this. I'll just read the email she sent. She said, Charlotte and I heard such a cool story this weekend about a woman who was inspired to move out from last weekend's service. Two weekends ago, if you were here, I said, be the church, be the church, remember? Go, 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 take the gospel, make a dent where you're, yeah, some of you were here two weeks ago. That was the whole thing. Make a dent where you're sent, and you're sent where you are, right? Well, this lady, here's what she says. Her name is Tina Ersig, and she was discouraged immediately after the service last weekend. I'm like, well, that's really great. I'm the preacher, and she's encouraged. So I saw that, I'm like, what? And it says, she was thinking that she was just a mom who worked from home and couldn't, quote, make a dent where she was sent since she didn't go to a workplace. Listen to this. As she prayed and asked God to speak, he gave her the idea to do a blessing of the boats on the lake she and her husband live on. She and her daughter made up flyers and passed them out, not sure if anyone would ever show up. And guess what? Lots of boats showed up. So many, in fact, that they did a blessing of the boats twice, again, for latecomers. And she had to find a megaphone to speak from her boat to do the prayer of the blessing over the boats. I mean, it's just one lady that probably doesn't realize she's making a dent where she's sent. You know, you can bless our motorcycles we do that. Nobody's ever done a blessing of the boats. Trust me on this. She will have to do it every year from now on. I guarantee, I guarantee. Another guy walks up to me. There's a group of guys and, and, and wives and families that drive down to Orion campus every Sunday from Lapeer. And I'm not kidding. It's like a caravan. I, this guy tells me like 20 cars. They have a midweek or they have a small group during the week and they meet these guys. And so they come down and every week I talk to them and it's just, you should, God's doing something up there. And these guys are leading and challenging men and this stuff. So this dude walks up to me and he goes, dude, no, last week you said make it dent where you're sent. Here's what I did. And I'm sure I'm going to get some of the details wrong, but he just told it to me in the lobby. Goes, he goes, I went to the grocery store and I'm like, what can I do? What can I do? I got to do something. He goes, this is a crazy idea I came up with. When people come to get a grocery cart, I'm going to give them a grocery cart and I'm going to say, God bless you or Jesus be with you as I give it to them. I'm like, that's it? He goes, yeah. He goes, remember you told the story about giving that money to that guy and you said, Jesus, give it I go, so I did that. I go, okay. He goes, you won't believe this. He goes, I give a card to this one guy and I go, God bless you. God wants you to have this card. And this guy, this guy, he said this guy looks at him really long like, and then he walks away. And he's like, I thought that was sort of weird. And then he says like 10 minutes later, I'm in an the, the aisle and this same guy comes up to me and he put his arms on my shoulders. just like He puts his arms on me and he goes, this guy looks in my eyes and he goes, you're one of his children, aren't you? And he goes, if you mean Jesus' children, yes I am. Now listen to this. This guy says to him, God sent you to me today when you gave me that card. And he's like, what are you talking about? He goes, I was gonna end my life this week. I came here to buy groceries until Wednesday because I would not be alive Friday. And when you said, God bless you, I knew God was saying to me, do not end your life. He goes, I bought groceries for the whole week. Isn't that crazy? I mean, I stand there in the lobby and go, that was a holy moment. and And he prayed with him right there. And all he did was say that. And we're all laughing like, that's it? God used that statement to a guy that needed to know God saw him. And God saw him through this man. Don't ever underestimate the power of your life. Your dedication makes a difference. And it's making a difference. Now, here's the thing. Your dedication makes a difference in a good way, but if we're not careful, it can make a difference in a bad way. You understand what I'm saying? If we live for Christ, man, the power of our life is drawing people to Christ. If we live against Christ and don't live for him, it draws people, am I right? Away. And I think it's it's pretty interesting. I wrote my notes this is again, back in 94, I, I wrote in my notes, we are ambassadors of the king. People can't see God, so they watch us. Is that right? They're watching us. I can't see real God, but they can see God in us, so they're watching us in good and honor. And I thought, so often we think we got to do this big spectacular thing, but it's in the little things. I wrote this down. The way we ask for a table at a restaurant, or leave a tip, or talk to uh, lowly people, or treat our spouse and kids, or treat our neighbor, or, oh, oh this is what hit me. This is, I think, from God, because I didn't have this years ago. I had it right now. How we drive in this parking lot out here. I'm not kidding. I've talked to our parking guys and gals sometimes. They told me stories, stories. I'm like, there's no way people that come to this church said that to you. And like, yeah, they say those very words. It's almost scary to think how selfish some people are when they drive in here, but how do you make a difference? How we drive, how we play sports. Oh, then I wrote this, how we watch our kids play sports. Ooh, that just hit. What we do on on social media, how we talk affirming words. It's interesting. Um, I found this letter that I had in 94. Again, written out but I typed it in my notes that was a real letter mailed to a pastor I know who will name nameless. But this is exactly what this woman wrote to this pastor. Dear uh, Pastor so and so, I need some help. Yesterday I was in a staff meeting at the restaurant where I work. She's a waitress. During the question and answer period, one of our waitress asked, how do I handle these people from X church, which is a church right by the restaurant, his church, on Sundays? They come in demanding to be sat right away. Then they have me running all over the place with all kinds of unusual requests. They want 10 separate checks at one table. And then they literally leave me a $1 tip, not kidding, a $1 tip. She says, there were nods and similar comments all over from the 50 waitresses at the meeting. Our manager broke in saying, I know, I know, it gets very difficult and they can be very demanding, but you just need to kill them with kindness. Kill them with kindness. Such and such church is some of our biggest business and we don't want to lose them. So just hang in there. You will always have customers like that. Every restaurant does. Guess who gets the bad rap when we live like that? Not us. What well, we do, but who we represent. So it's the little things that when we live out a dedicated life, it makes a great difference. Could be good, could be bad. So I challenge you, think about that. Daniel probably had no idea that the life he was living was having that kind of impact on the highest powerful man in the, in the, in the empire. On the king. Your dedication makes a difference. But here's, here's a little footnote before the second one. Here's what, what's pretty amazing about this story. I think you probably noticed this, but do you, do you notice that God's not mentioned in the whole story until the rescue? Never mentioned. I mean, if you're reading this story, you're like, what's God doing? Is he just up there going, let's see how this turns out? It's like there's no mention of God anywhere until it becomes apparent that the only way Daniel will be saved is by God. And so here's what hit me. God did not remove the lion's den from Daniel's life. Think about this. I wrote this, that Daniel did go into the lion's den. God didn't rescue him in the last minute and keep him out of harm's way. God did, is amazingly uninvolved in the whole chapter. God didn't stop the injustice. God didn't stop the enemy plot. God didn't stop the king from signing the decree. It almost seems as if God is just watching. So we have this theology sometimes that thinks we're never going to go through a trial. It's like, no, 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 you're going to go through a trial. God doesn't uh, keep Daniel from that trial. He literally lets him go all the way in and through the trial. And then what happens? Here's the second point. The 2nd D de-tongue twister is this. Our den makes a door. Our den makes a door. What's that mean? Here's, Here's the truth said another way. Trials often signal the beginning, not the end of God's activity. Trials often signal the beginning, not the end of God's activity. See, here's how we we often think. We often think that when trials come in our lives, it means God's gone. We feel God's hand in the good times. We question God's hand in the bad times. The opposite is true. Trials open a door to God's involvement in our lives. You understand that? There's going to be dens that you're going to live through. There's going to be there's going to be dark moments and valleys you're going to go through in your life. It doesn't mean God's not there. It means God actually is there and God's going to work in that. I did a sermon a few weeks ago on the the weekend that said um, uh, God does his greatest work in yeah, you guys remember all this stuff, right? God does His greatest work in caves. This whole thing of David being this cave of Adullam, and you know, God shows up and does this amazing work in the heart of David in the middle of the darkest moment of his life. God does the same thing in a lion's den. It's like you know, we're we're sailing through life. Sometimes it's life is comfortable, and then boom, a trial comes. And here's what often happens to us when a trial comes: we turn away from God rather than clinging to God, and we even blame God. And God's like, no, 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 I'm right here in the middle of this thing. I'm not always going to protect you from every trial, but even in the trials that you and I go through, I am literally right there. And it's like this: this boom happens. We get the phone call. We we find out our spouse had an affair. We lose our job. A health test. you, you, You name it. But God reaches out to us in our pain, and He says, "I'm here. I know, and I can help." And so often, in those moments when when the lights get turned out, we turn out the lights as well. And that's when we need to just open our eyes and say, "God, I know You're in here. Where are You? Where are You? What are You doing? What are You doing? What are You doing?" Because he's in the middle of that trial. And if you focus your eyes on him, I can't tell you exactly what he's going to do or how he's going to do it, but I can tell you this, he's there and he'll walk you out of that trial. It may be a day, it may be a minute, it may be a year, but he will hold you, he'll carry you, he'll walk you out of that trial. You know, I was thinking, I wrote my notes, which I didn't have this in 1994 either. I wrote my notes, six words that changed everything. In my life, there were six words that changed everything, and those six words were uttered in a moment where I didn't know I was headed into a den. What I have here, I'm so excited because it just came this week. This is chapter one of Anne and my marriage book. It was coming out in January. The, the publisher just sent us a typeset and said, here's what it's going to look like, blah, blah, blah. Chapter one is called Six Words That Changed Everything. Now, many of you know these six words, but that... That moment in our life became a book, which we hope many people will read and it will help their marriages. Anybody know what the six words are? And said them to me in our car. Parked outside East Hills Middle School, where we were about to start Kensington in 1990. We'd been married 10 years at that time. Long story short, I don't have time to go into it. We're on our 10-year anniversary date. I think we're doing awesome. I think we're wonderful. We did the date. We did the meal. We did the money at the nice restaurant in Birmingham. And then we drove to East Hills Middle School as a surprise to park and pray that God would do a miracle in that school and start something that would never end in Detroit called Kensington Church. Right? So, and then I had one other agenda on the item that was a surprise to Ann as well. I thought we should go parking. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I said this to a Brazilian group of pastors, and this guy was interpreting it. It was so funny. He was telling this story, and he looked at me like, he didn't know how to interpret Like, parking? And they all went, what? And I go, make out with your wife in the backseat. They go, They all start laughing. So that's what I had on the thing. And so when I turned to kiss Ann, and she pulled away from me, she said six words. That changed as you saw in that chapter title, everything. She said, I have lost my feelings for you. And I found out that night that our marriage was in trouble. And I had no idea. That was a den we stepped into ourselves, not because God put us there, we, or actually I put us there. I was not living as the man I preached I was as a husband. I wasn't in sin, I was just lukewarm in my walk with God And that translated from vertical to horizontal in our marriage. And when she said those words that night, God got my attention and I repented of my lukewarmness and our marriage started at year 10 to change. And that's why the book's called Vertical Marriage because if you don't get this right, this has no chance. You gotta get your relationship with God first and then it plays out in your marriage and everything else you do, right? Vertical marriage. And so those six words, it was like we were in a den and God spoke through my wife and said, I'm right here. And if you don't do deal with this, you're never getting out of this car and you're never gonna get to the marriage you dreamed of. Our door, our den is a door that God walks into to lead us to where he wants us to be. And I tell you what, Dens are never fun. There's a family right now in our congregation whose 20-year-old daughter committed suicide. One of our leaders in our ministry at our Troy campus this past weekend. And the funeral's tomorrow and her mom and dad and their family are going through the darkest darkest den cave trial you can can you imagine? This amazing young woman And so they're in this den it's the lights are out and what's true about that darkness somehow god's in there it may be a tiny little speck of light but he's there and i don't know how long it's going to take but i think they know this god will walk with them through this valley and god will walk them out of this valley i don't know how long it'll take but He will. And whatever den, whatever valley, whatever darkness you're in, that is the door for God's activity in your life. Don't turn from Him. Don't run away from Him. Be honest with Him if you're struggling, but reach out in the dark and you will find Him recklessly, never-ending, overpowering love for you right there. It's gonna hurt, it's gonna be hard, it's gonna be dark, but light is there beside you. Light was in that den with Daniel. What did Daniel do? Nothing. I guarantee he didn't jump up and go, come on, lions. He was still, and he knew what? God's in this den. This den is the door for God to be here. Cody preached two weeks ago. You don't need great faith. You don't need a lot of faith. You need a little faith and a big God. We're reading and studying tonight about a big Godder. Daniel just had a little bit of faith, but it was in a huge God who could do miracles, even shutting the mouths of lions. And there's one last point, and that's it. It's just simply this. Our divine makes a difference. And that's a stupid way to say it. Our divine makes a difference. I'm trying to get these D's in here. Divine means God makes a difference, okay? I just wrote it it down this way. God always has the last word. That's the only last thing I want you to remember tonight. God always has the last word. You don't have the last word. I don't have the last word. Only God has the last word. I mean, think about this. When they threw Daniel in the lion's den, I guarantee the accusers are like this. Done with that, dude. It's over, we just threw him in there. Now he's hamburger helper for the lions. They're laughing, they're walking away the going, na, 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 nah. hey, 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 goodbye. I guarantee they're doing that, wouldn't you? It's like, we got the king to sign it. The king didn't want to throw him in there, but he's in there, he's in there for the night. The stone's on it, the king's seal's on it. It's done, it's over. But, there's always a but with God. It's a really big but. There's a but God had another plan our divine our God delivers us it's not over till it's over in fact I wrote it down this way you know you've heard that phrase it's not over till the fat lady sings well I think it's this it's not over till the big God sings it's not over till the big God say I told Jalen last night at rehearsal I said dude we need a song it's not over till the big God sings it's not over till the big God sing anybody no okay you you get it but it's true it's like oh my gosh you cannot give up on God. I'll tell you one last story I heard in the lobby right about over there. And I'm not gonna use these guys' names because i just protect them. But this dude walked up to me. Uh, I think it was this weekend. He goes, dude, he, yeah, this is this weekend. He goes, you were talking about, you know, how, he, he goes, yeah, here's what he said. Walk to me. He goes, I know this guy. He goes, walk to me. He goes, my life and your life are really similar. I go, how's that? He goes, my dad walked away at nine years old when I was nine with women and alcohol. Same like your dad. He goes, but there's one difference. I go, what? He goes, I have a different ending. I go, tell me. He goes, my dad kept filing divorce papers to my mom, and she ripped them up saying, God's going to do a miracle. God's going to do a miracle. She ripped them up every time, so they never officially got divorced. And she just prayed and prayed, and we prayed every night. Someday my dad would surrender his life to Jesus. I'll cut to the chase. Ten years later, he walks back in the door and says, I'm now a Christian. Let's do this right. And so he said, my dad came home. It was just, I'm just standing there going, dude, God always has the last word. Now, I know some of you hear that and go, well, that didn't happen in my life. It didn't happen in my life either. But you know what? I still believe God's awesome. God's big. God has the last word. God can do whatever. Think about this. Final thought. How am I doing? Oh, we're good. Final thought. Got a drink before I say this one. Think of this. There was another guy thrown in a den. There was another guy who was betrayed by his friends. There was another guy falsely accused because he lived a blameless life. You know what I'm talking about. Think about the the correlation between Daniel and Jesus. They brought Jesus before a king, a judge, and said this man deserves to be thrown in a den, crucified, dead because of all these things. They were all wrong, and what'd they do? They threw him in a den, they threw him in a cave, they put a stone over it, they put a seal on that stone, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, do you see what's going on here? And they walked away like this, never hear from him again, that dude's dead and gone. And I'll say what I've heard so many preachers say, I think it's such a great statement, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. Do you understand? Some of us are in Friday right now, it's dark. We're, we don't see light, we don't. We may be even in Saturday, because it was still dark on Saturday, and nobody knew if that stone would be rolled away, if this man would be raised from the dead, nobody knew that the lions would be closed for the night, and Daniel would walk out of there. But God showed up on Sunday morning and did a miracle in a den and in Calvary, and you are, I are here for that reason. Here's all I want to say, don't ever give up on God. Some of you walked in here tonight and you, you've lost hope. You've lost, and I, and I understand, I've been there and I'm just telling you, no matter how dark it gets, no matter how bad it gets, no matter how long that valley is, hear what I'm here to tell you. And I mean this, God is right here with you. He has never left you. He absolutely loves you. All his promises to you will be fulfilled now or then they will be fulfilled all his promises are yes and amen you can put your confidence your trust in his faithfulness we're going to sing that and i hope you can sing it with a belief and if you don't believe it sing it till you do because it's a song that says i'm going to believe that god's in the den with me and god's going to do and i don't know what it's going to look like but god can and will do a miracle And I don't know that your husband's gonna come back or your wife's gonna come back. I don't know what the miracle looks like. The greatest miracle is the very presence of God with you to give you peace, to give you power, to give you hope that nothing else or nobody else can give you, but Jesus can give you. That's the story of Daniel's lion's den. I think it is. It's like, man, I'm gonna believe this. I'm gonna sing this. I'm gonna build my life. Second song we're gonna sing on the firm foundation of Christ. And then I'm gonna walk in here knowing no matter what's happening in my life, I am loved with a never-ending, overwhelming, reckless love of God. I just told you the set list. Why did we pick those songs? Because they explain the truths about the big, awesome God that we just need a little bit of faith to believe in and walk out of here. We walk out different than we walked in. Here's my, my hope. We prayed this before you walked in here. We prayed that God would speak and give hope to somebody tonight. And some of you, I'm telling you, when we're done singing, you don't wanna walk out and go get ice cream. It'll still be there, but you need to walk forward and pray with our prayer team. The ones have been praying 24 hours before you got here, some of you just need to release something to a prayer intercessor who will take your concern to the Father. Just walk up here and pray with somebody. I know it might be weird, it might be strange. I don't know this, but just walk up here. Have the courage to say, man, I am so weak right now. Would you pray for me? I can barely pray, and they will. So let me pray. Jalen and, and, and the group are gonna lead us. Let's sing. And let's sing as if we believe. And if it's hard to believe, let's sing until we believe. Sometimes like, why do we say the same words over and over? Because sometimes we have to. Every rock song does anyway. Why is it strange when we do it in church? Sing it. God, I need to believe that your promises are yes and amen. I need to believe that you are my rest, that you are my faithful. So Father God, I pray. I know there's some in darkness. Some feel like they're in a den right now. They're being attacked by all kinds of enemies and their past. Maybe their future or their present lies fill in their minds. And Lord Jesus, you are right here. You are right there with us. And sometimes you seem quiet or silent, but you aren't. You are right here. And Lord, some of us need to feel your presence tonight. So Lord, even as we sing, I pray. I pray you'd soften hearts. You'd, You'd literally touch our souls in a deep way to let us know that you're here and that you love us and that you actually have good on the other side of this for us. So God, walk with us. Walk in us. Lead us toward your light. Lord, thank you for stories like Daniel and this amazing miracle you did. God, help us to believe you're the same God and you still do amazing things. So Lord, give us just a little bit of mustard seed faith and a huge, awesome, big God To trust you tonight, maybe for the first time like we never have. Lord, I, I feel led that somebody tonight has never trusted you. And this is their moment right here. To say, Jesus, I'm yours. I'm giving my life right now to you. And I'm praying that you'll be with me and walk me out of this cave into your light. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing.
0: Hey! promises they don't know anything what's going on right so in that moment right the last thing that my wife and I want to do or can do is rest we are worried and we worry and we worry and we worry and we're up at night and up at night and up at night wondering oh my goodness but the thing is I said to my wife yesterday I said you know we serve a God that loves her more than you and I both ever could and so it's okay to know that god is faithful and it's okay to understand and rest in his promises that he will take care of her so i'll tell you for all of those who are going through something or experiencing rough times let's sing this up let's rest in god's promises i know it doesn't feel right i know it gets tough sometimes and the last thing you want to do you think you got all the control yourself but give that control over to god and rest in his promise so sing this out I will arrest. Come on, like, believe it. Oh.
2: My yeah,
0: confidence is not found in me, no. It's in business, no I will arrest. Hey. Yeah. My confidence. sing jesus jesus the name above every other name jesus the only one who could ever say worthy worthy of every breath we could ever breathe we live for you oh, oh, oh. we live for you sing holy
1: Here, and again, some of you, if you want, please come forward and pray with our prayer team. Before you walk out here, I want to make an announcement that I made Sunday. uh, That I probably some of you weren't there Sunday, so it'd be pretty cool. Cody, come on up here. I want Cody to come up. I thought it'd be cool. Jalen's got a hat on; he looks good. I saw Cody over there with his hat on backwards, so I thought I can be cool too, and I can turn mine around. And uh, some of you know this, but a lot of you don't know this. Cody has just accepted a position at our Orion campus to be our teaching pastor in residence at Orion, which is pretty stinking and cool. And uh, he's preaching this Sunday on, what are you preaching on? It's going to be good? Here. It's going to be great. That's uh, on forgiveness. Yeah. <laughs> it really is a powerful, powerful series. We're starting Sunday, two weeks only, on how to forgive others this week, yep. and then next week, how to forgive yourself, two of the biggest issues we deal with and no one better than this guy because he's had to forgive me his whole life so uh there'll probably be some stories in there anyway it's gonna be a great weekend thank you for being here tonight there's ice cream out in the parking lot we'll meet you out there love to talk to some of you come up and pray we'll see you out there anything else all right god bless see you